This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. And we are back here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK. The ticket online at WTK.com. Ira Weintraub now in the air chair. Sam did have a family thing that popped up about an hour and 10 or so, hour 20 minutes ago. He will be hopefully back in the air chair tomorrow. We'll stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, it is time for the MGO Blog Roundtable. Brian Cook is here. Seth Fisher is here. Craig Ross is here. Fellas, how are you this morning? Good. I'm, f- I'm fine. All right. Well, let's get into it. Well, oh, go ahead, Seth. <laughs> No, 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 I'm terrible. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a major plumbing issue this morning. So oh, I was about to say, how could you be bad Michigan, Michigan State? We no, I look, in the house will definitely do that. That's why I look disgusting right now. I feel disgusting. Yeah, the joys of home ownership will not be a topic on the show this morning here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK. The ticket. You have a good bye weekend other than that, apparently. I did. Yes, I did. I went to San Antonio with my family. There's blessedly nothing to do there but walk along a river. So that's what we did. We walked along a river and ate food. Sounds like a good time. Barbecue? Yeah. Or a Tex-Mex? Yes. Or both? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All the major food groups in San Antonio. All right. Craig, good bye week? Uh, yeah, it's been... Um... A strange week for me with uh, strange events. So, I, but I'll I'll leave it at that. What so. it sounds like is everybody's ready for a football game this Saturday. You guys I am definitely ready, ready for a game for this Saturday. Football. All right, let's jump. We'll jump right into Michigan, Michigan State as the game is coming up. It's been uh, obviously over a week now since Michigan played a game. Uh, the bye week, their quote unquote improvement week. Us as fans, a chance to recharge and get ready for the next one, and really leave two weeks of smack talk, which might be too long. I think between these uh, these games, Seth, you were starting to say nice things about Michigan State on social media. I was having a hard time with that. Any particular reason you decided to say nice things about MSU this week? Hey, listen, people are dogging the education at Michigan State, and I have a lot of people I know who went to Michigan State. So that's a uh, <laughs> point in Michigan State's favor, Seth. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, just because you know people that went there doesn't mean that. Yeah, I was... I think I was responding to, um, to I was going historical is what was going on, right? Because uh, talking about where's Michigan State come from, and it's this period after the World War II where the GI Bill created an opportunity for a lot more people to go to college, and Michigan State saw an opportunity there to grow. So they just stacked kids into a, um, into a dorm until they had enough money to build another dorm and continue that process until they were a world-class university. And I think it's a really cool story, and it's an important story that people should know about if you're interested in higher education at all. So, yeah. But you made a very important point that you can still troll their fan base, their obnoxious basketball coach, and some other things. And that's what we're here to talk about. Not that side that you just talked about, the nice stuff. We're here to talk about the other. And we could also talk about their football team specifically. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Sam isn't here to trash talk, and I'm not much of a trash talker, but 
as I was thinking about it, I decided that uh, Michigan State is the sort of Tom Bombadil of the Big Ten when it comes to football. He, someone, a, a team that doesn't advance the narrative at all. That that's as nasty as I can get. Otherwise, I'm with Seth on this. Uh, you know, on this one. All right, guys, let's get into the game. I guess we jump. I, I like to jump in what concerns you the most. So, Brian, I'll start with you. When you head in, you look at Michigan State. We'll start with Michigan on the offensive side. What concerns you the most when they have the ball? What can Michigan State try to do to limit what Michigan has been so good at doing, in particular the running game? Uh, what concerns me most is first and goal from the one. <laughs> it's disrespect to fourth and six. From the 36. No, no, like when Michigan's <laughs> got the ball, the biggest problem they're going to have is when they have it at the one-yard line, are they going to be able to score a touchdown? Because that's the only thing Michigan State is good at this year. <laughs> they stone Washington twice. They stone someone else twice. They, they, they bow up when they get down to the one. They're like, no more tomfoolery. We're going we're gonna to play defense now, and by God, they do it. Isn't that they say the field shortens when you get closer? There's a little less room to guard? Well, yeah, just but that's you know that's where they're good. When once you get down to their one yard line, they're like, okay, we draw the line here. Yeah. So the 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 idea is to to not do that, just to score from sixty two yards, or yeah. sixty seven, or sixty nine. Nice. Ninety three was cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if you look at Michigan State this year, I mean. Uh, they started against Akron, who is probably maybe the worst team in the country, certainly the worst team in the MAC, and and then they had a game against W uh, against Western that was actually a really pretty even game going into the into the into the fourth quarter. Then they got crushed by uh, Washington. Uh, they gave up uh, I don't know five hundred plus yards, and then. Uh, Minnesota gained 508 yards against them, uh, and they got beaten up, I think, 34-7 there. Then they got <laughs> beaten pretty badly by Maryland. They got completely crushed by Ohio State, and the score of 49-20 doesn't reflect 620 yards to 200 yards. And then all of a sudden, last week against Wisconsin, they played Wisconsin fairly evenly. In fact, it was a very even game. But at the end, they did kind of look like the better team. And so, and in the Wisconsin game, they have uh, uh, their safety back, who's been out for much, if not all. The Xavier year. Henderson. Xavier Henderson. And they have the, you know, their defensive tackle back. Jacob uh, Slade. Yeah, who is probably just about as good as any defensive lineman in the Big Ten. So, and they did play. I know that Wisconsin is a disaster, but it did look they did look like a better team this past week uh, than than what they've been overall the year. Am I making too much of this, or do I have to look at the big data? Points I mean, you have versus... to look at their secondary because they, they, they are terrible at pass defense and. What happened with Wisconsin? Graham Mertz could not throw the ball within within a zip code of any of his receivers, mm -hmm. except for Chim Ray DK. Every single time they throw at that guy, they score. So they only do it once per week. But like that—that that was the entire game. Like Michigan State, if you let their secondary off the hook, and you know, I keep on checking the weather just in case it's going to change. But I think it's going to be like 59 degrees and partly cloudy. So 
you know, unless that changes or we just have, you know, a sudden breakdown in the ability to pass, uh, I mean, that's the story. They, yes, they got back some of their guys. They changed some, uh, some things around. They were using Jacoby Winman, who's that UNLV transfer. They were using him at defensive end because they didn't have an extra uh, second defensive end. They think they found one in true freshman Zion Young, which allowed them to move Winman back to linebacker, which is where he's better, which allowed them to take Ben Van Sumeren, who we all know and love, off the field, which made them better against the run on a down-to-down basis. And I think that was the difference against Wisconsin. But Wisconsin can't throw the ball, and all you have to do against Michigan State is throw the ball. I don't <clears throat> I mean, I don't think a mid-season shift of a guy from defensive end to linebacker is really a sign. <laughs> That you're turning the, the the corner, right? Like, yeah, they made a couple of changes and they played a butt offense and they <laughs> managed to get to overtime and win that game against a butt offense that got their coach fired midseason. Wisconsin's coach got fired midseason because their offense was so terrible. So what does that really mean? It really means that Wisconsin is that bad. Because um, every other game Michigan State has played, they have looked like not a team that's bad, but a team that's very bad. And so you have more than three score spread in this one. It's like 22 and a half. I mean, you take the points all day, right? But in terms of like, is this team really a threat? I mean, no, they're a threat to cover in the fourth quarter. But like, this team is bad. It is bad. It is a <laughs> bad team doing bad things. Like they lose Walker, who should have won four Heismans last year. And they... <laughs> They're, they're averaging like two yards a carry against power five teams. And that's like generous. I mean, their two running backs are total doofs and their offensive line can't block anybody. Peyton Thorne's all right. Jane Reed's all right. I mean, but they can't, they can't string together drives and they have the worst secondary in the big 10, possibly in America. And just because Graham Mertz couldn't burn him up. Like what is, what is JJ McCarthy going to do against the secondary? He's going to dissect it. And it took a huge confluence of flukes last year for Michigan to lose to a much better Michigan State team than this. I mean, it's going to be annoying because Michigan State's going to come out and that's their Super Bowl and all that stuff. But, you know, Michigan hasn't really had a whole lot of competitive games. And this is a circled game, and they just came off a bye. So I think that sort of like comparative preparation advantage that Michigan State historically has is probably not going to be very prominent this year just because of the circumstances of both teams' season. Because Michigan State hasn't had a whole lot of time to put together like their July drive because they don't know what they're doing down to down on either side of the ball. So they're really in rescue mode, and then Michigan hasn't really been challenged. So they got a lot of stuff in their bag. So I, I think you're going to see Michigan come out and put some new stuff on Michigan State. I think you're, the Michigan State drive that everybody's like, oh, well, they did that in the summer, is, is not going to be really there. So Michigan's going to like fumble 16 times, and there's going to be crazy holding calls that are from Mars, and the, uh, the officials are going to watch Ohio, Michigan State offensive lineman bear hug Michigan State defensive linemen think, oh, that's sweet. And it's still not going to matter. It's still not going to matter. So the biggest problem with Michigan State is that they're annoying. Well, kind, this, kind this, of like Tom Bombadil. Well, I think what this, Brian's saying is, is if you were any other team, like a team that wears, you know, from Bloomington or Piscataway, they weren't the team from East Lansing and Green and White. Right. The conversations this week would probably be a little bit different. Right. And, and the thing is, is that there have been 
Michigan State teams that have been mediocre, that have been not very good, that have been meh. And Michigan has struggled with those teams. Like, I think uh, over the past 20 years or something, if Michigan has a one to 10 point advantage in the SP plus rankings, that's a that's a coin flip. And that's why this this uh, game has been so frustrating for Michigan over the past 15 years. But this isn't a team that's ranked, you know, 25th in, in these ranking systems. Michigan State is 52nd. They are one spot behind Troy, two spots behind behind Tulane, and four spots behind Marshall. Like this, this is a team that, if you look at the advanced numbers, is twenty points adrift of Michigan. And so the level of like alarm that you come into this game with has got to be related to how the teams have been playing. And kudos to Michigan State over the past fifteen years. If you're coming into this game and you're a slight favorite, well, it's time to worry. But this isn't a slight favorite kind of deal. This is Michigan is one of the best teams in the country, and Michigan State is essentially a MAC team with a couple of nice transfers. Yeah, I mean, when I run my yards per pass attempt numbers, I, I get Michigan being 23 and a half points better, not counting home field advantage. Uh, and that's even bigger than the line, which I think is 21. Nevertheless, I have to admit, I feel anxious because stuff seems to happen in this game. Don't ask me why, but, it, uh, but stuff happens. That's, now, maybe that's all right. Michigan State is, though. That's the point. I mean, this is a lot like the 2018 uh game where like before the game before the Michigan Michigan State game in 2018 if anyone can remember how you were feeling at that point you're like oh no last time we faced them it was in the rain and like you know that that shut down our passing and we like that was Michigan with a like if if Michigan's a 2017 level team or 2020 level team and they face this Michigan State team the weird stuff that happens with Michigan State which that's what Michigan State is great at is the weird stuff, right? They stop you on fourth and goal on the one. They throw fourth and six lobs that land perfectly in Jaden Reed's hands. That guy, by the way, more than just okay. He's a good receiver, but he's yeah. fine. He, but like, he's, and Peyton Thorne is fine. good at lobbing the ball up to him. But like, but like you're not. Yeah, you're not talking about Braylon Edwards and Tom Brady not, here. They're not. They're not moving the ball with him. Like the, his return didn't really change anything for them. And Michigan State is one of the worst special teams outfits in America despite having by far the punter. Bifi, yeah <laughs> despite having by far the best punter in the country they're 129th in field goal efficiency they are one of the worst kicking teams in the country and everything else they do on special teams is terrible so the kind of things that pop up from time to time against Michigan State those have fallen apart the whole like the whole team Kind of looks like you hired a guy who had one season at Colorado, went five and seven, <laughs> and then lucked into the Doak Walker winner, who was a backup at Wake Forest and wanted out. And then he's gone. I mean, this is what the team is, right? They bring in a bunch of transfers, and you got lucky one year, but there's a reason those guys are transferring, right? There's yeah. a reason. That, that so punter, by the way, is a transfer as well. It's a great question. If, when is, uh, when, if Tuck is coming, when will he arrive? Well, Tuck he's going to come in at $95 million and that's about right. It. That's it. I mean, he's going to be there for a while because I, uh, I think that contract, uh, I don't know if the contract has been released, but I think it's guaranteed from what the noise is. 
They haven't. So, they're in the middle. This is the. I haven't seen it. The lawsuit of the FOIA is supposed to happen like this week. Yeah, the Free Press, the I think, is the one who has the. Or it's the Free yeah, Press. I think the lawsuit was supposed to go to court yeah. this week. I don't know the follow up. A strategy well, I, question. We got this question from Jacob, and I was going to ask you guys this mm -hmm. question, a similar question anyway, because we saw this last year. Obviously, we saw Kane throw the ball a bunch. Do you believe the playbook will open for JJ to throw the ball more at the beginning of the game, or are we going to run the ball until MSU adjusts? Well, I don't think MSU is going to come out expecting Michigan to throw a lot. I think they're going to be focused on the run from the drop. And, you know, they, they came out <clears throat> throwing against Indiana. They came out throwing against Penn State. You know, I think I think the thing to do on Michigan's first couple drives is to throw the ball around because you get – you're at home. You have McCarthy, who is super accurate underneath. You know, he had a couple hiccups on screen passes this year, but what stood out about them is, like, that just doesn't happen. He's completing like 80% of his passes. And this is not a secondary that's going to be able to keep up with Michigan's receivers. So I feel like you just give them some simple stuff, some some hitches, some screens and whatnot if they give that to you by formation and just sort of establish the fact that you can throw the ball and then then you start working in the run game. I would, I mean, I would focus at the worst part of this defense and that is their secondary which is for the second consecutive year, a complete disaster. Yeah. The uh, Michigan state also the, <clears throat> the secondary, it doesn't tackle well. And Michigan has wide receivers who run well after they catch the ball. Uh, the running backs obviously are, are terrific in space. So uh, aside from their coverage abilities and, and my guess is that Michigan state is going to try and take away the run early. They are going to, they are going to bring safeties down. I don't see them sitting back in cover two. That's for sure. Um, you know, I don't know what you think, but I think that's highly unlikely. Yeah, you know, I mean, guys, I, I just want to throw this in to add to it. Uh, we had Stephen Brooks on. Alejandro was talking to him. He covers yeah. Michigan State for two four seven. He talked about issues that their linebackers have in coverage. Doesn't Michigan have like the right weapons to take advantage of linebackers that struggle in coverage too? Well, I mean, that's something that they did really well against Penn State, right? Is that they use play action to suck those guys up and, and hit behind them. And they they got to avoid two of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Now, do you need to avoid any of Michigan State's quarterbacks? No. So that's I mean, I'm just gonna go over their pass defense against power five teams. 9.9 .9 yards in attempt, 397 yards against Washington, 10.3, 268 against Minnesota, 7.7, .7, 314 against Maryland, 13.5. Yards per pass attempt, 82% completions to C.J. Stroud, and then they the Mertzening, where you get the <laughs> Mac quarterback playing Mac offense, and they managed to hold them to 5.5. Michigan is not Wisconsin in the passing game, so if they just open the ball, if they just open it up, they're going to get yards, and they're going to be able to consistently move the ball. And then once you're focused on getting after McCarthy in the passing game. That's when you hit him with Quorum and Edwards. Yeah, I tend to agree that I think they need to be balanced right from the get go and not just try and pound it at them. So I'm sorry, Seth, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, they, about the problem that Michigan State had at the linebacker level that is what they're fixing when they move Jacoby Winman back there. He's better at that than Ben Van Sumeren, who was a disaster. And that was where a lot of teams were, were hitting them. But, like, they were doing that because they. They're playing a soft cover three is what they are. This is not D'Antonio's quarters team. It's like the polar opposite of that. The it, that the way they have to play is they put those cornerbacks in the parking lot because they're just going to get beat. 
I mean, they got they got Amir Speed, who is the most ironic name in the conference. Um, that you know, he's a big long cornerback, but as soon as someone gets by him, they're by him by yards. Uh, Angelo Gross is the safety they brought back from last year. That guy's going against Roman Wilson or Ronnie Bell. Charles Brantley, I mean, they're throwing uh, Dylan Tatum out there, the true freshman from West Bloomfield that Michigan kind of like recruited before. Like, And then Xavier Henderson is, you know, a good player against the run. But you saw last year that run, that the, uh, the catch and run by Andre Anthony, he just put yards on him in like three paces. So that was a, a – that's the secondary they got. They haven't gotten any better than last year. When last year, Cade McNamara put up, what was it, 350 yards and maybe left another 200 yards on the table. So if we've had an upgrade in the quarterback position since then, if we have all these guys going out there, I, there's uh, unless the passing game falls off a cliff, they should be able to throw the ball against these guys. All right, guys. Before we wrap up the football conversation, any other final thoughts on this game, on the actual football side of it? Because it seems like we've covered a lot of it. How much do you think a Tuck NFT is going for these days? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I could probably get one. I could buy like the mall and I could have the market corner. I saw, follow yeah. One last question. So the last game Michigan played, Brad Robbins didn't punt. And obviously, they just came off a bye week. So, will Brad Robbins go three Saturdays without a punt? Uh, no. But it's going to be close. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be close. Good answer, Brian. So, I think I don't need to ask you guys what your predictions and your scores are because I think that's three Michigan barely comfortably from all three of you guys. Brian, you give a large disparity. But, uh, Craig? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think the spread's about right. I think Michigan will win by about 20, 24 in there. <clears throat> Seth? I've been, just been saying 42-27 all, all year, and I kind of want to keep the bit, but I can't imagine Michigan State scoring 27. It's <laughs> a lot of points. That's a all lot, right, so that's I, a lot of I wanna, chucks. I want to keep this on a football conversation to continue here with the MGO Blog Roundtable on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket online at WTK.com. Did you see the clarification from the NCAA yesterday about NIL rules and regulations? Oh. The big takeaway for me was that they said they basically legalized collectives is what the uh, ruling was. So apparently all is fair and uh, collectors are not going to be reeled back in as we probably expected they wouldn't, but collectors were not the initial plan of NIL, but here we are. I mean, whatever the NCAA says about NIL, it's, it's like, you know, you, you got a tank and there's an old woman with a broom and, <laughs> and the old woman is hitting the tank with the broom and she's like, Hey, quit it. That's, I mean, that's what the NCAA is now. <laughs> it's an old woman with a broom trying to tell people not to do stuff. And it's like, does Miami care? No. Does AM care? Well, they should maybe, uh, but they don't. Does Alabama care? No. It's, it's irrelevant. Everything the NCAA does is irrelevant. They can't do anything. <laughs> the only relevance is that, you know, anytime they make a rule, all the schools that follow the rules are like, oh, that's not fair. The other schools get to do that now. But well, if, if, if that's on you at this point. <laughs> and what Sam and I were talking about this morning, this kind of takes away. If you thought collectives were like a gray area in the NIL game or you were towing a line or what it might be and you didn't want to cross into that, this kind of erases that because there's no more gray area. When they when they say schools can, put t can tell their donors to donate to the collectives, they're like, yeah, collectives are fine. You can go do it. The, the collectives thing was going to happen because every school was doing it. Even Michigan was doing it. 
So the collectivist thing was not going to be an issue because the NCAA was going to have to tell literally every single school that you have to shut down a program that you've already put together. The things that mattered in this, there are two of them. One, the schools can't negotiate deals on behalf of their students. That was a question because a couple teams like A&M were doing it and Alabama was not doing it. So that's why it's a question, right? Like if, if there's only a few schools doing it, and I think that they probably came down, I mean, that's defensible, right? Like the schools can't, because otherwise then it's not really... NIL is. It's just flat out playing, playing, paying the players. The other thing was really dumb. And this is the one that, that bothers me, and I think that they might have to uh, look at this again really soon, is the schools can't provide free services like contract review, tax preparation, graphic designers, or anything. Now, there are carve-outs in there, so if you go into the legal language, there are carve-outs, so if you provide the same thing for all of your student body, then you... So, like, there's a, so you can make a case that, like, oh, we have student legal services. So because we have student legal services, then we can provide legal services to these guys for free. Um, and I think that might just be the, the workaround for that rule, because the rule, as it's stated, is incredibly dumb. Basically, they're saying the schools can't educate or assist these student these, these, these players from, like, getting screwed, right? Like, they're not allowed to, like, step in and be like, oh, let me look at that contract. These are people who have the... Who, have to a degree their best interests um, in heart, at least to that level, right? And like having them say, saying you can't do that, why? Why does that? Who's that? Who's that hurting? Well, you know, at this point, I I, I tend to agree with Brian that uh, I mean there really aren't any rules as far as I can tell. I don't see the NCAA in for, quote enforcing anything uh, by and large. I mean schools are seemingly paying players up front aside from nil they're just handing out cash that's what uh, nil is well no nil is a little different than pay no, for it's... play <laughs> yes. you know or in its original intent it no, was its different. original intent was like please mm -hmm. stop suing us there was literally no intent they didn't mm -hmm. even make a rule they just got deadlined by a bunch of state laws and they were like do whatever just please stop suing us so to talk about the intent of the ncaa in this matter is completely beside the point well their I, only I, intent is to keep the gravy train running as long as possible yeah i tend to agree with that one but i think the from a fan consciousness let me put it that way which 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 might have been naive the idea was if you're a student athlete you can use your name image and likeness to make money and that wasn't a problem but that isn't but that isn't what's happened and i'm not saying that's wrong i'm just saying it isn't what happened when it wasn't the original fan consciousness at least uh so but yeah i mean you're probably right they you know they're just saying don't sue us and 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 it's cow and it's cowboy days are back Brian, when was the last time the NCAA made a decision that was, or a ruling or whatever that was not a CYA, a cover your, you know, what decision? It seems like every decision they've made for like decades now is to just cover their. Well, I mean, it's ever since the, what was it, the Board of Regents versus Oklahoma, where they're getting sued because they, they're allowing one game to be televised a week, it's just been a rear guard action about all the stuff that they want to ban. And like, it's about dude, 40 years now. Yeah, does does anyone really care about that at the NCAA at this point? No, I don't care. There's no possible way any of those people care about anything except the bottom line. 
And they don't like the way things are going because they are right. Is that th more money is going to the players than is going to, well, than it has been in the past. And there's a finite pool of money, but I don't see why anyone should care about that anymore. Like, are they going to come down on any of these schools? Like they have an FBI investigation for people doing a bunch of stuff that was not legal at the time. And what LSU got nothing, right? They got absolutely nothing. So what's going to happen with Kansas? Same thing. So if at this point you're like, oh, we got to follow the rules. Like there are no rules. They're guidelines, but that's not a rule. And like, I don't know. It's I, just, people don't quite understand what the NCAA is because they're used to, you know, a commissioner structure like they would have in, in a pro league where like the, the commissioner of Major League Baseball can come down and say, okay, if you break these rules, you can't play or you're going to be fined this much. That's not how the NCAA works. This is an organization built out of the presidents, right? It's, it's, and it was built to be like a, like a one-year meeting where they got together and like, okay, let's fix the rules. It's an agreement between the presidents of the universities. So when you look at what's their strategy or what are they trying to do, the presidents right now all they care about is getting donations and all they care about like, the football program gets them donations they want to have good football programs they're not interested in you know maintaining the academic structure of college football like they they haven't cared about that for like Brian said for 40 years probably probably a lot longer you could argue for 100 years they haven't really cared about that so the NCAA has always been kind of fake and it's just always been this okay if we all pretend to follow the rules then we can all make more money and keep the prices down with players. That's what it's always been about. What happens lately is that they got way too greedy in the last 30 years about how much money is going to the administrators and how much money the schools are going to take. The ads went way up. The conferences shifted just because of money, just for money issues. All these decisions are happening right around the players, and they're watching it happen. So when your coach is, you know, driving a worse car than you are, it's you know, it's not a huge deal to you that, like, they have these, these rules. It doesn't – it's not in your face all the time. When you're watching a billion-dollar entertainment industry going on around you and you're not participating, it is so – it's so ridiculously galling that you have to say something. And that's what happened. They had this run – they're making so much money, and the players are sitting watching it, and they knew that they needed to share. It was always a house of cards. It's just – it fell down. Fell down on our time to have conversations about it. Those are going to continue as more guidelines. Will come out and more rules and regulations as I know Santa Ono talked to M Live about it, that they're still waiting for, you know, state and federal laws to also come and play and see if anything else changes on it. Another thing for you guys, we continue here on the M Go Blog Roundtable on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket online at WTK.com. Did you guys see Hunter doing his gymnastics routine, getting ready for basketball season on the Twitter yesterday? I'm glad he didn't get hurt. Uh can't say I did. So I, he, I, he I missed this did. one. You'll have to he tell did. us. So the, the basketball team tweeted out he had a member of the women's gymnastics team uh, took him out into uh, a few apparatus to the, the bars. He was, did some spinning. He did a couple of jumps. It's his uh, new basketball training. Was, I'm surprised you guys missed that uh, video yesterday. After. It was really funny. It seems dangerous for a 7-1 guy. To I be... thought so. He did ask for a higher bar, a higher beam mm -hmm. or a higher bar for the uneven bars. He did not actually do a full spin all the way around. They did show him how to jump into a pit of uh, fluffy balls but we are right around the corner it got me thinking obviously got a, a media day was recently and then women's basketball's media day was a couple days ago we're a week away a week and change away from the first basketball games so craig we're not that far away i know you've been uh 
paying pretty close attention. I don't know if you heard anything from the super duper secret scrimmage that Phil Martelli told us didn't have that he couldn't talk about and then talked about anyway. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because Phil said that um, he wasn't allowed to talk about it, but then he said, we played really good defense and we couldn't shoot the ball. So, I mean, that's what I heard at least. And I, I, I don't know if that's an NCAA violation or not, probably not. Uh, but in any event, I think they played at Florida, which is a little unusual. Oh, Florida State, because usually they play, uh, you know, Kent State or Bowling Green or U of D or something more Akron, something a little more local. Uh, you know, the Big Ten to me is fascinating this year in basketball because every single team is just so uh, unsettled. I looked at uh, Illinois seems to be the generalized favorite in the conference. No, Indiana year. is probably the Indian. Yeah. Well, they're getting... Sports, Ill- Sports Illustrated had it as Illinois. Other people might have had it as Indiana. But I'm just, I'm looking at both those teams and saying, why? Uh, you know, if you look at Illinois, they lost Kofi, Frazier, Plummer, DeMonte Williams, Curbelo, and Grandison. Essentially their whole team. Uh, you know, yeah, they got a couple of transfer guys in, but that are good. Uh, Shannon, uh, and they have Coleman Hawkins, and they got Matthew Meyer from uh, Mayer from Baylor, who's a good player. But you're still putting together, you know, a team with a freshman point guard, Sky Clark, three guys who haven't ever played together before. And, you know, at Indiana, you got Jackson Davis, who everyone agrees is a good player. But the rest of that team looks... I mean, who do you like? Uh, Xavier Johnson, uh, Miller Cop, Michael Dewar, who moves like a post. Uh, I, mean, know, like, I don't know. The, the I, big I, I'm, t- I'm not sure. I'm, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but the, I think. No, that's all right. Go ahead. I, I think that, like a lot of Big Ten basketball seasons, this is a, it's a turnover year. So, like right now, we're focusing on the transfers because those are the guys we have stats for. And we're focusing on returning starters because those guys we have stats for. There's a lot of freshmen in the league last year. And some of those guys are going to get a lot better. Just, you know, when they, that's, that's what happens. Guys pop, right? So like, you'll you'll not hear about a guy for a couple of years in basketball and all of a sudden he's really good. And I mean, we've gone around the league and tried to find like, who's everyone's Kobe Bufkin, right? Like a guy that like the, the team, the, the, on the ground, we're all expecting him to start. We're all expecting him to be pretty good. We, we saw some flashes last year. Nobody who wasn't like paying very close attention to Michigan has Kobe Bufkin on their radar right now. They a lot of them are just kind of slotting, you know, Michigan's transfers into like they're, they're slotting Baker in at the two on on other sites. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's guys like Jordan Geronimo on in Indiana who might come through. Uh, Wisconsin, I don't even know their names, but like there's probably someone who's going to be young. Um, with Ohio State's full of freshmen, like one of those guys might come out good. And, that that's that's the story that we're missing. There are people that we don't know the names of or have heard a couple times who might pop. Well, I think that's fair. Uh, but the but that's the point also is that is that you're you're sort of throwing darts out there. I mean, Ohio State loses Liddell, Branham, Kyle Young, Wheeler, Aarons, and the famed Joey Brunk, and uh, and that's their team. So they're basically starting all over. And 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 certainly it's true that. Uh, there may be young guys who start who start to break out, but that's true at every single team in the conference. And so to me, it's why it looks so completely unsettled because it is unclear, um, 
you know, who will break out, who might break out. Will, will Kobe Bufkin have a good year? I sure hope so. Um, Indiana's, you guys you mentioned Indiana's the top most people, like they're the top of the highest ranked team in both the first or second. Kind of thing. Yeah. But can someone explain to me why I, th to, or pr tell me why I should not think that Trace Jackson Davis is just an enigma? Like people love him. <laughs> But I just, I, I don't see him come up huge in big games. He seems to disappear at times. I just, I don't see what maybe other people are seeing. They keep, you know, preseason player of the year caliber. He's a good player, but people are calling him maybe, you know, one of the best players in America, things like that. I think he's more of an enigma than anything else. I don't think he's necessarily an enigma. I think what he is, is he's a limited offensive player who struggles with size. So you give him a team that doesn't really put up a whole lot of, defensive stop signs and he'll go off but you know he's been a guy who i think when he goes up against hunter dickinson usually that doesn't go very well for him because he's just a guy who hasn't been able to to put it all together and <clears throat> i mean he is coming off a year where he vastly increased his uh two-point shooting he's got a solid block rate. Right? he's a guy who is a reliable player he's an excellent player but I, I don't understand how you can look at Jackson Davis and Hunter Dickinson and be like okay Trace Jackson Davis is the guy who's the all-american like really <laughs> I think that's he's a good player but I, I'll tell you one thing is that Indiana is not winning this conference like I, I, I kind of agree with that I mean I look at that at, at this team and I, I say what about this as conference champion uh, in nothing? As far as I can tell. Now, maybe I'll be wrong. I'm wrong about a I lot mean, of stuff. But it's I absolutely see wild. This, I mean, Indiana was didn't they weren't 500. And they were nine and eleven in the league. And I, I'm struggling to think of any team that has ever been projected to win the Big Ten that didn't even go 500 the previous year. Like they they finished ninth in in the league. Um, and now it's like everybody else has lost so much that they're going to win. I, I can't see that happening. Yeah. Is there a team that either of you guys think might be uh, undervalued at this point, or you have a guess might be undervalued? Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, that's mine too. I mean, well, you can also make a case for Rutgers because they returned every. Like, um, yeah. Not everybody. Purdue. They're going to have to replace well, Ron Harper and Ron Geo Harper. Baker. <laughs> they, they lost Ron Harper and Geo Baker. So not everybody. So like, <laughs> they returned. Like, they returned a majority of their starts. Is is yeah, uh, which but, is yeah. which is both more than you can say for like every other Big Ten contender. Yeah, um, but they're returning like yeah. Paul McCahey and Caleb McConnell. Like, yeah, they have huge questions about who's going to take a tough shot for them. And like, I mean, they got Omaruyi back, and he's he's a solid player. But I I just don't I don't know how they're going to generate offense. Like Ohio State. Doesn't look like a whole lot. I mean, honestly, like, if you're asking me for teams that I think are undervalued in the preseason, it's probably Illinois and Michigan. Like, Illinois has huge roster turnover, but they, they really hit the portal hard, and I think Terrence Shannon's going to be a dude. Their only issue is, like, what are they going to do at center? Because it doesn't really seem like they have a good answer there, but they have a lot of talent up and down the rest of that roster, and then Michigan probably has the best player in the league. Yeah, I don't see – I mean, Illinois, I'm not sure if, if Hawkins is a really a center. No, he's uh, not. And and outside of him, I don't know what they've got to play that spot. I also don't know what they have at point guard. I mean, they have a kid who is highly recruited, but 
he's a freshman, Sky Clark. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, college basketball is really driven by, you know, by the backcourts. And, and I'm not sure I see it there. Uh, it could be. Uh, and it's sort of the same in Indiana. I look at their backcourt and I go, you know, what? Uh, and the, uh, uh, but Purdue, I do like. I mean, one, because I think uh, they're probably coached as well as anybody in the Big Ten or maybe better. And and I do like uh, Caleb First and Gillis and Ethan Morton, I think, are undervalued players. And they still have Edie. Um, again, and, they bring and back, uh, is it Brandon Jennings? They had a guy, uh, who, they had a guy hurt last Newman, year. Brandon Newman. Brandon Newman, Newman. Yeah, and Newman's back. I think he is, and I think Isaiah Thompson's back. So, um, and they have Fletcher Lawyer, the better of the lawyer brothers. So, yeah, but I mean, their issue is that they don't have anything that even looks like a point guard. Well, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I that's the problem. I mean, unless it's Thompson, Isaiah Thompson, who's sort of a point guard, but but yeah, no, I, not, I, Thompson's I, gone. Thompson's gone. They brought in a Utah oh, transfer, okay. David Jenkins, who okay. is not. Um, I mean, unless <laughs> unless Painter saw something in him that Utah never did. I mean, that. Well, the crazy thing about Jenkins is this is going to be the fourth school he plays for. He started at South Dakota State. He transferred to UNLV. He transferred to Utah. And at none of these places did he ever have an assist rate that looks like a point guard. Like he scraped above 10 for one season at UNLV. And he's a guy who, once he got to a power conference level, just did not shoot the ball inside the inside the arc pretty much at all. So his profile looks like just a shooter at the high high major level. And you know, Painter is a guy who gets tons of mileage out of those guys. Yeah. But it doesn't really address the fact that they don't have a guy like Ivy to to initiate their offense. Now, if there's one team in the Big Ten that has an offensive system and the quality coaching that you need to like mitigate that it's Purdue, but it is just something where it's like, who on this team is even going to bring the dang ball up? How are they going to deal with ball pressure? Is anyone going to be able to enter the post to Edie? I mean, yes, that's a, no, I, I withdraw that. Entering the post to Edie is the easiest task. To <laughs> um, can, can somebody put the ball nine feet in the air? <laughs> right. But it's it's I mean that's really their open question and then yeah Iowa like Chris Murray's probably going to be Keegan 2.0 they're not going to play any defense they're going to be themselves and then Michigan State entering this season with functionally nine scholarship players they put a hoodat from the JV team on scholarship this year and like what are they going to do at center like Matty Sissoko is going to be a good rebounder for about six minutes a game before he fouls out and you got a true freshman two different true freshmen and Joey Hauser is your options. And it's just like, yeah, Hauser's not a center. I mean, he's closer to a three than he is a four. Well, but and, and Michigan state has played him at the five I know. periodically since he transferred and they're going to have to again this year. Yeah. And they we, don't have a choice. We've seen what that looks like against legitimate posts. I mean, the thing is, is that like how many legit posts are in this league anymore? You got Edie. Jackson Davis, you got Edie, you got, uh, Hunter, Hunter. Yeah. and then Omaru, I think is going to count. But like, 
you know, Zed Key. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drop off from the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. The the centers in the league are, um, uh, I guess you got Robbie Barron at uh, Northwestern. Well, Northwestern had kids They're transferred so to like Duke and UNC this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Robbie uh, Barron's not really a center. They're going to be playing. Uh, they. They we picked up. We, a... We've talked all we need to talk about Northwestern <laughs> basketball for the next ten years. Probably. All what right, about we'll... Chase Audis, your boy? I mean, isn't he going to have his breakout year, Brian? Well, I saw <laughs> I saw an article that was like, with Pete Nance transferring to UNC, is it time for Chase Audis to take the mantle? And yes. That's that's what I shorted all my Chris Collins stock. <laughs> yes. I was like to build. I, I, I bought every share of Chris Collins and sold it immediately. Build the whole that 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 should have been my hot take for the basketball thing is make the whole offense out of Chase Adij because his ridiculously low what is it a ninety six O rating that's better than the rest of the team so just do it just have Chase Adij do ridiculous things and that can be your offense. Geo Baker with Chase Adij uh, in Big Ten basketball is the bottom right. Everyone just kind of knows who the bottom two or three teams are going to be. That's probably the most consensus in the Big Ten when it comes to basketball this year. And Northwestern uh, will be right there in that conversation. Yeah, Northwestern, the same old cast of characters. Yeah, Northwestern, and, Nebraska, Penn State. There you go. Bottom of the league, like normal, right? Although Minnesota <laughs> lost the uh, oh, Minnesota's pretty bad, too. So bottom yeah, they, four, there you go. There's your Wednesday games at the uh, at the Big Ten tournament. Guys, appreciate it. As always, any final thoughts on Michigan, Michigan State before we get out of here? Any shots you want to take at Michigan State, Brian, before you get out of here? You had to be the the show or the beginning of the show. Take my shots once there's shots to take. Gotcha. All right. Well, guys, we are going to get out of here. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA and Arbor Accumulation.